Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You guys, welcome to another Just the Sip. I'm having a blast in the past today with a guest who was already on. What I'm going to do is, I was meant to call this person because we are friends and we talk on the phone all the time and we haven't talked in a while. And I just thought, what the hell? Let's have a few cocktails. My show is called Just the Sip. And let's kiki like we were kiki on the phone and just catch up. So I want to invite my girlfriend. You might know her as the tastiest peach in Atlanta. She is a model. She is a mother to an amazing young woman and is about to be a bride. Please welcome Miss Cynthia Bailey. Hi, you guys. Do I spot a Seagram's cocktail over there that you have in your glass as well? If you're talking about this WAP, this wet-ass peach, yeah. <laughs> wet-ass peach Bellini. <laughs> this wet-ass peach Bellini. How has it been going for you being back at work? I know a lot of people were nervous to get back into the swing of things, but what's it been like for the ladies of Real Housewives of Atlanta? It's been very different, you know, filming during COVID-19. We have to get tested every week. Every Tuesday from 8 to 11, I have to get tested. And at first I was doing the nose one down the throat. Ooh. The nose, that's that's gangster. Like, I, that one was tough. But now I'm doing the throat one. I can receive it in the throat a little better than the nose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go all down that throat. But that nose, you got to leave alone. So, Put on that throat all day. <laughs> See, you already started. You already started. No, but seriously, um, you know, just being like, you know, excited to be back at work. We're trying to make this show happen. You know, kudos to Bravo for that, because it's been very challenging, um, you know, respecting the COVID rules and, you know, regular testing is a huge part of it. We're wearing masks a lot. Um, most of the time, as a matter of fact, um, shields, you know, they have to come and disinfect our houses. Like it's a whole nother thing. And we're filming more from home. Because wow. we go into certain places and be in big crowds. So it's you guys are going to get a very entertaining season 13, but it's going to be a little different. Because Atlanta is just out here doing the most <laughs> that I can see on Instagram. Well, you know, I was quarantined in L.A. for the most part. But when I came back, I will say Atlanta was pretty wide open now because we were all locked up and buttoned up in L.A. Like you can't put a mask on. So, you know, there's a reason why Atlanta, hot, hot Atlanta is a hot spot. <laughs> hot, in more way, hot in more ways than one, honey. But with that said, we're being extra careful because we know we're in a hot spot. And we have all these rules, like if anyone goes on a plane or goes out of town, you know, we have, they have to quarantine for a certain amount of days before they can shoot again. It's, it's amazing. We're making it happen. 
But let me ask you this question, because I know you were on lockdown getting that good D, had your man cooking for you, going on walks in this nice weather. Are you kind of sad that you aren't locked down in California anymore? Well, I mean, hey, I got the extra 20 pounds to prove that I was happy, get some good D, and eating good and cooking and being a real housewife for real. But I have to say, you know, I was in L.A. before the quarantine as well. So when you Mm -hmm. add to the quarantine, you know, I was out there for quite a few months. And outside of, you know, hanging out with my family, it was kind of good to get back to Atlanta, to get back to Lake Bailey. Just to get back to me because, you know, the whole thing with the pandemic after a while, you know, I'm used to being busy and working. Like I'm not used to not being able to go no damn where. You know what I mean? You know, you broke your spirit a little bit after a while. At first, it was fun. It was TikToking, you know, family dinners. Then after a while, it was like, oh, that was, you know, that 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 ran its course. I'll just say mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, I just couldn't focus. You know, I'm a creative person. It was just hard to kind of like get in my zone with people on top of me all the time. 100. But it's interesting because a lot of couples before they get married, you know, you do that marriage retreat and you got to see a pastor for three weeks before you hit it. I feel like quarantine was kind of you and Mike's pre-wedding therapy session. Oh, honey, honey, child. That was the ultimate test. Like I knew I wanted to marry Mike before the quarantine, but now I know I want to marry. Like we have been through everything we could possibly go through. We have been tested in every way. And I mean, let's be clear. I've always wanted to marry a man. I ain't never said I wanted to go to prison with his ass. Okay. And be a- <laughs> <laughs> Didn't nobody say nothing about prison. Okay. And I did appreciate the conjugal visits. Okay. I'm on lockdown, but come on now. Like I'm going to need to be able to go somewhere and he's going to have to be able to go somewhere sometimes and we have to come back together. (laughs) But it's crazy because like, yes, look, Mike Hill is your dude. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But there is something very different about dating a dude who's in the industry, who's in the game, who travels for work, who has his own independence in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, you have your own independence up at Lake Bailey. It must've been like, holy this is a make or break because your ass can't escape nowhere. My black ass can't go get my my rest of my wigs. What are we gonna do? (laughs) You know what? It was challenging. I will will have to say that. And you know, this, still is a bicoastal relationship. It's still a long distance relationship for the most part. Now, thank God, because of COVID, well, not thank God because of COVID, but situations with COVID, he's able to be here with me in Atlanta. So he's been kind of quarantined here with me now because, you know, I did my, I did my stint in LA. Now he had to come here and he's able to work from home. So the unofficial Mike and Donnie show is downstairs here at Lake Bailey. That's where he does his show from now. So killing it. It's good. But like even that, you know, just starting a marriage, you know, Mike's a whole person. I'm a whole person. He has his house. I have my house. You know, if you spend enough time now after a while, you're like, you know, we had, you know, we've had some conversations. You guys come up, but I didn't always feel like, you know, LA was my house house that much. You know, he didn't always feel like Lake Bailey. I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't feel at home at Lake Bailey. It only has my name on the house, Lake Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) All these little things. And because, you know, everything is so different now, we have time to actually focus on all these little things that would normally maybe bother us if we were flying off to here and there and working. But now that we're home, we're a little more focused and like, hey, you know what? You know, we can kind of focus on things that we didn't necessarily you know, focus on before. Oh, wasn't really a big deal. But now we got yeah. time. 
Now we got now time. you got time. <laughs> well, I know you had time to read that book. Oh, of course. Open mic gets real. Open mic is something that you would write when A, you were single, or yeah. B, you were about to die because it's a revelation <laughs> about my how Mike became to be Mike. Who oh yeah. You guys, if you don't know Mike Hill. Listen, if all my men came with a book, child, that I could read where they poured their own tea. <laughs> if they all came with a book, honey, so you'd be like, well, wait a minute now. Let me read the book first and then figure out the situation. Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like if they all came with the manual, honey. I mean, he literally poured his own tea. You know, this is, you know, he goes all the way back to his past. And he's pretty transparent and very raw and unfiltered. So, you know, it is his naked truth, which is why you see his old fine ass on the cover with no shirt on, all oiled up. Mm. And, uh, you know, everything about the cover is symbolic of, you know, his his truth. Like the microphones around the neck are symbolic of chains. You know, he just felt he was in a dark place. He was just being held down. The book cover's dark, you know, then the back, you see me draped over the back of him because, you know, I have his back. He's my man. I love him despite his past. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to my future with him. But what's it like getting the tables turned? Because I know a lot of men who have to step to you and any woman who is on one of the biggest reality shows on TV, you know, when you come into this life, this is who I am. This is part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, our, some of our stuff might get out there because I'm a transparent person. Mm -hmm. What was it like for the first time letting the shoe be on the other foot? Look, I got a, I got enough stuff going on. I was I was very happy to support Mike on his book journey. I feel like it was important for him to write this book. I wrote the foreword in the book. And honestly, one of the things that I say in the foreword is had he not wrote the book, we probably wouldn't be together. Honestly, been in a place where he was ready to get serious and settle down, you know, and appreciate a fabulous woman like myself. But, yeah. you know, it was interesting because with Mike, I feel like at the end of the day, we, we are just meant to be together. And, you know, I'm older. He just turned 50. You know, our life is it is what it is. And, you know, I think it's all about just supporting the journey. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's Nobody. perfect. Those I am not. And our mantra is and always be, we are not perfect, but we are perfect for each other. So oh. I receive it. I receive it. You know, he's going to probably get, you know, the book just started going out. It's doing very well. I think it's like number 10 or whatever. It's so where books go, Amazon, everywhere. But he's probably going to get, you know, probably some criticisms, but that's okay. But I, as long as he told his truth, then I think that's the only thing that's important. And, you know, he's moved on from it. And I think a lot of People are going to be inspired by the book and and be motivated to, you know, get their shit together if they were like a hot mess back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy because like you don't even think about him that way because he's such a well put together, deep, spiritual, like kind, welcoming dude. But I guess when I look back at my path, like when that book comes out, bitch, you oh, already yeah. know. For sure. I can't wait to read your book without question. That's going to be a New York Times bestseller. But going back to Mike, no, when you look at Mike, I mean, even when I met him, I just like, oh, he's a this really clean cut guy, probably went to Harvard and he's just like super smart and put together. But that's like, you know, and he talks about this in the book, that that was the mask. That was the image that he wanted to be out there. Yeah. Layers. When you go deep to where this man came from and how he became to be and the things that he's gone through, you would be surprised. I mean, the book tells it all. And I had no idea what I was getting when I decided to be with this man. 
I, until I read the book. Life is too short. You can't walk around trying to be something you're not or trying to put no. it out there that you're not. It's like, you know, we have to have a certain image for what we do. And you understand that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, there's so much freedom. And like there has to be a balance of who you are on TV and then who you really are. Like you can't just be like this TV person and not have your real, you know, personality as well. So and I struggle with that as a reality star as well. I mean, at this point, I've been on the show for so long. I'm like, I've always tried to be Cynthia Bailey on the show. And 100. It's worked for me. And take it, leave it, love it. If you think I'm boring, whatever you want to think, I'm still being me. And I've never sold my soul. And I'm always going to be my authentic self. I'm a nice person. I, I'm a, I work hard. I'm a good mom. I'm a good wife, fiance. I'm a good daughter. I'm all of those things. And I'm never going to be in the limelight or on a show where I'm trying to act like I'm something that I'm not. I'm a good friend. I'm all of those things. But it's interesting because when you when you first came on the scene, like most people, when you enter a new friend group, you're a little bit more timid and you're trying to test the waters and see where you fit in at and you're a little bit more pleasing. And I feel like what happened to you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is your first two seasons you came in, you were trying to find your footing and, you know, you just were that bitch. But then when people started pushing your buttons and crossing the line, mm-hmm. you started snatching wigs left and right. And everyone's like, who's this? Right. Where is Cynthia, the doormat who I can walk all over? Right. And it was it was crazy that you we kind of saw you coming to yourself on the show because you weren't that, you know, the first two seasons. But I'm happy that Fiddy Cent came out and Fiddy is ready to throw some hands. Well, here's the thing, you know, when I first, when you come into a new friend circle, I mean, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I'm just not going to come into a new group and just, you know, be on the fence and be guarded and, you know, just start reading everybody for no reason. I really wanted to give everyone an opportunity just to get to know them, you know, honestly, to be clear. I mean, I didn't, you know, I've never been around a group like this before. (laughs) This is a very creative movement. No. Listen, I come from the modeling industry and, you know, there'd be like little cat fights and stuff, but nothing like what's going on over here. For the most part, I mean, models are like, look, girl, you do your thing. I'm doing my thing. It wasn't that deep. Like it wasn't like as shady and as, you know, competitive and as jealous as this, you know, this circle can be. So and yeah. they, your props, if you were that bitch, you were that bitch. They always they were always going to give it up here. You got to fight for your little props. Be like, OK, uh, hello. Uh, I was doing OK before the show. I'm be doing OK after the show. Like, I'm good. I, I came here with a name and, you know, I'm going to leave with a name. You know what I'm saying? Right. Brain. OK, that part. <laughs> right. But anyway, but just just to kind of close out what you were saying. Look, I'm a nice person. If I'm around people who, you know, take that kindness for weakness or try to, you know, misconstrue class or kindness as weakness, then that's just what it is. I'm never going to be a monster. I'm never going to be an asshole. I'm never going to be a horrible person. That's just not who I am. But if you push me in a corner, you're going to get 50 cent. And I you think you'll get 50. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate that. I hate that about, you know, because we all have that one person in our lives. Normally they're friends of friends and you're not forced to be around them at all times. Cause I have a person in my life mm-hmm. who they just want to push you to be that bitch. They want to push you to be that monster, that horrible person. And I'm like, one day you're going to get it. Right. And you're going to be real mad that you woke Grundle's ass up. Right. But see, I feel like you're like the male version of me in a lot of ways. Like you're yeah. not like, uh, you're like nice. You're fun. You just want to have a good time. You ain't coming to try to snatch nobody's wig off. 
But now if they come for you, if they just come get you all the way out your bag, then, you know, you, you're coming. But you don't want to. Who wants to, like, I don't want to walk around, like, having to be on the defense and worry about, like, oh, okay, this person will come for me. Okay, this person's nasty to be around. Let me, like, get, let me be nasty, too. I mean, I believe in reciprocity and all. But at yeah. the same time, I'm never going to. I, light always beats out dark. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to be some nasty, mean, shady person just for no reason. I live all the fun shade now, but not all that below the belt stuff. No, that's not really who I am. And, you know, after all this time that I've been on the show, I've, I've never been that person. And I want to leave the show never becoming never to become that person because I don't 100%. think and I don't think, you know, we're in the black. We're in the movement right now. It's not cute to just be tearing people down just out of just meanness or whatever. You can like, you know, play around with folks, but yeah. to be mean spirited and tear other black women down for no damn reason. No, for what? What? So you've been in the show for how many seasons? 11 seasons. What would you have done 11 years ago had you not joined the show? Like, where would your life be right now? Did Ooh. you ever think about that? Uh, I think about it all the time. I actually, before I started modeling, I was actually going to go to college to um, study journalism. I wanted to be, Mm. you know, a broadcaster. So I kind of knew I wanted to be on TV, but I felt like I wanted to be the person talking about other people's lives, not being rich in my own damn life. (laughs) And that's what I thought I wanted to do. So um, I got an opportunity to go to, hi, is that Mike? Is that Mike? I knew she wanted to be me. <laughs> and that's what he does. It's funny. We wanted to do the same thing, and I didn't even know. Like I that's why we all get along. That's yeah. why we all G because we all are the same people. What's up, Justin? I just want to say hello, man. We were just how to- are you? Come down a little bit. Oh, I can't. So I'm sorry. No, yeah. I'm gonna let you guys go ahead and do your thing. I appreciate it. But yeah, I knew she wanted to be me. I heard her say she wanted to be a journalist. You know, everybody wants to be Cynthia Bailey, but everybody <laughs> wants to really be Mike. You know? <laughs> like Mike, baby. Good Mike. Too. Wait, I have to ask you one question. Okay. How worried were you when Cynthia first picked up your book? Were you afraid that she would hear about your past and run for the hills? Or was it something that you felt like you wanted to get off your chest before you took that plunge with this woman? I had to get it off my chest. Actually, you know, I think she told you before. I know she said a lot of things about it. When If it wasn't for this book, she wouldn't be with me right now. Because when we were dating, I was actually writing the book. Mm-hmm. And wow. reading the book, when we first started dating, she used to always ask me what I was doing. I was like, I'm writing. She's like, what? I'm writing my book. And she said, read me a little bit of it. And so what I was reading to her was my life and me telling the truth and being honest. And it was interesting. And she was like my first critic. And I think that kind of opened her up a little bit more and allowed her to see a little bit more of me and allowed us to get closer. Soon. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Were, yeah. were you more open in this book because she's open about her life? with everybody did that make it easier did that give you some sort of energy to just bring that same bde to this book now let me tell you something cynthia bailey's everything to me but cynthia had nothing to do with me opening up about this book to be honest with you i had to because i told everybody if i wouldn't have written this book i would be dead bro i was living wow. and such had this mask on in front that I felt like if I didn't get everything that was on the inside of me out, I was gonna die, I was gonna stroke out. So when I started writing this book, it was basically a, like a therapy for me, like therapy for me. So I had to get this um, this trauma, this pain, a lot of depression that I had out of my body. So it was actually something that was therapeutic. 
Damn, well, congratulations. You know, I'm waiting for that audible. I'm just waiting for the audio book to come out so I can hear it in your own words. We are doing that next week, starting next week. I got a, um, a meeting with the publisher uh, this week sometime. So we're talking about that next week and the Kindle and everything, man. So it's available, man. Thank you for your support. I appreciate that, Just. Anytime. I'm going to see you at Lake Bailey. I'm coming soon. Come on through, my <laughs> man. Good seeing you. <laughs> that man is fine, y'all. Uh, thank you very y'all better, much. Y'all need a Google Mike Hill, y'all. Y'all need to get with this Google open mic, Google Mike Hill cover, and just see what Cynthia playing with up in Atlanta right now. <laughs> you're so silly. By yeah. the way, I love how you're like, oh, I gained 20 pounds. I'm like, you had enough ass. Where you put 20? You know what? All over. I just, I just gained weight in general. I mean, I had a big ass the whole time, but it, it, it everything got bigger. Let me tell y'all a secret. Cynthia and I go for these lunches that turn into dinners in LA before COVID. Yes. And somebody texted me and was like, oh my God, I know you with Cynthia Bailey. I saw y'all on Sunset. I'm like, how'd you see us? We were low key walking like with our heads down in caps and glasses. Ain't nobody in this restaurant. And they were like, oh, she got that booty. You can't miss that booty. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you're going to have to have that ass walking separately because it can't be walking in with us. <laughs> and it's all natural, okay? You know. These booties are going for a lot of money these days. So thank you guys for mine. I love that you embrace your body so much because a lot of people who A, started out as a model and B, are on reality TV. And I feel like people criticize people more on reality TV every single day. How long did it take you to get comfortable with this Miss New Booty situation? Oh, it uh, didn't take long at all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if you don't have one, you're somewhere trying to buy one. Okay. <laughs> Overall, like, you know, I was, you know, I was a lot thinner when I was a model because of work and all that stuff. And that's a whole nother uh, sip talking about the modeling industry. But I've always, you know, as I've gotten older, I've never made my age a secret. I'm 53 years old. As I got older, you know, my metabolism is slower. You know, I've just embraced me, embraced my curves, you know, whatever comes with it. For my, from you know, for me at this point in my age, my focus is always about like what's healthy for me. If the weight is healthy for me, I'm embracing it. If it becomes unhealthy for me, then I'm trying to lose it. Now, be very clear. I do not like my scale, okay? <laughs> my scale... <laughs> My scale said that I was 180 pounds, and I don't believe it. Because I've never been 180 pounds. That's what my damn scale said. So I broke up with my scale. I don't go on scale anymore. I just go, I just test it from my clothes. But again, you know, it's all good. I think a lot of people, you know, we're in a, we're in a quarantine. We're in a pandemic. I can't, you know, really go that many places. You know, again, I'm working. I'm trying to exercise more and be healthier. But, you know, I, I like to Netflix and chill. But I am trying to lose this 20 pounds before the wedding because I do uh, plan on fitting in my wedding dress and, you know, the wedding's still on. You're doing it. We're doing it 10, 10, 20. Now, this is actually the week that we're actually going to send out the invites because I have to show Mike the venue. After we see that, we're going to like just really sit down and pray about it and decide if we really, if this is really the perfect time. You know, I don't know if our perfect date is the perfect date now. But we have to really make that decision because 
a lot of our friends and family that we're inviting are from out of town and uh, quite a few of our guests actually don't feel comfortable coming to the wedding right now during COVID, which is completely understandable, but we have to invite them anyway, because if we don't invite them, they're going to feel some kind of way about not getting an invite. So we got to right. say, no, they're not coming because of whatever. So we don't really know what the number looks like. We started off before COVID with 250 people, you know, maybe it'll be a hundred at the end. Who knows? We may postpone it. A lot of people say, oh, you know, you're of a certain age. You shouldn't do a wedding. This is your second one. Why are you doing this? I always wonder, like, I always think to myself, like, when I do get married for the second time, am I going to feel the need to do this, to make this big splash? But what's your motivation behind keeping the wedding still? Well, first of all, uh, it depends on how your first marriage went. <laughs> if your first marriage was not your happily ever after, then I don't see anything wrong with, you know, having the wedding that you want, how many ever times you want to have it. You know what I'm saying? Mike's been married twice, but he's never had a big wedding. Uh, I had a big wedding, but it was a lot of drama. Um, yeah. We went through a horrible time in our lives. We were broke. We were uh, my friends that came weren't that supportive. It was the and I don't look back on that time like it was the wedding that I would have wanted to have had and the situation that I've wanted to be, you know, to have been in at that time. So mm-hmm. I need a duel. Okay, I have found a man that I feel like is completely whole. Someone who we're compatible. He gets me. Mike is like, like you're my brother, but Mike Hill is like the male version of me as well. We have so much in common. I mean, we both grew up in Alabama. Like we have so much stuff in common. It's crazy. This is my, my friend. He's my, he's going to be my husband, but he's also really like truly my, my best friend. And the memories that I want to make with him, like, and getting to the age thing, since we are a little older, I mean, I don't know how many big things we're going to have in our life again. So I feel like this wedding will be one of the biggest memories that we share together as a couple. And, you know, I'm usually not a diva. And Justin, you know that about me. I'm like, oh, I could just- Not a diva. In a tent in a driveway. I don't care. For once in my life, and this is all about one of the things that I kind of came out of, you know, COVID with. You know, life is too short. You got to live your life to the fullest. If I want a big wedding, I'm going to have a big damn wedding. And by the way, I'm a diva. So when that <laughs> wedding day comes, I need to see the menu. I need to see what the bar going to be serving. Because if I'm flying my ass to Atlanta in my mask, with my, my bridesmaid's dress on, I need to know that y'all going to do it. That we doing it all the way up. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm so funny you mentioned bridesmaids. I'm still not sure where I'm at with all of that. Mike wants to have groomsmen, but I'm just not really sure if I want to have bridesmaids. I'm kind of going back and forth with it. We'll talk about it offline, but I'm still going to show up in a boutonniere (laughs) with that dress on, looking like Miss Lawrence. (laughs) Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When I was coming out, it was a don't ask, don't tell type thing and a sweep it under the rug. Maybe this is a phase jam. And it was very encouraging to me whenever you came out and was just supportive 100 of your daughter and her questioning and her sexuality. Why was that important for you to not only share that message, but to champion that movement, because you have been an advocate for years now. 
Right, right. I have. Uh, first of all, you know, love is love. People are people. Love is love. I've always been supportive of that in terms of me supporting my daughter personally. You know, I didn't want to lose my daughter. I didn't want to lose, you know, that communication, that connection with her. You know, I you have to support your kids. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want them to shut down and do things or just feel like they have to hide things from you because then it just creates all kind of issues. I just want Noah to be happy, whatever that looks like. I could care less who is with, what gender, like none of that matters to me. I still want the person to be a good quality person, somebody that cares about my daughter. You know, I don't want her to be with a man or a woman that treats her like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Her to be with someone that is supportive, someone that's positive, someone that loves her and cares about her. And whatever that looks like, I'm completely fine with it. And Noel understands that. And, you know, she's she's young still. I don't know, you know, which way she's going to go right now. This is what she's doing. If she continues it, great. And if she decides to, you know, pick one side of the fence or be on one side of the fence, none of it matters to me. She has, this is her journey. This is her life. She has to have her own identity. I'm living mine. So I can't yeah. live in hers. All I can do is be her mother, be there for her, and just give her love and support. You and I have talked about this offline about how surprising it's been, like the criticisms when whenever we talk about all Black Lives Matter, yeah. when we're talking about women of trans experience mm -hmm. or gay Black lives. Mm -hmm. How shocking was it that to hear the nasty things people have to say about trans people and gay people? Listen, let me tell you something. Even although for the most part, and I'm really thankful about this, uh, thankful for this, for the most part, Noelle is not a housewife, so she didn't have to come out and do anything on the show. Uh, but it's her real life. And because she is my daughter, I feel like if it was one of those things that she, that people saw her, you know, if they saw with a girl in real life and never really, we never addressed it on the show. I didn't yeah. know she was hiding something or we were trying to keep it like my daughter has a secret life. So I was like, I encouraged her to tell her story herself because I'd rather yeah. her than the shade room tell it. <laughs> right. Because, you know, the shade room finds out everything. You don't want them to tell the story. So tell your own story. So for the most part, everything was great. We got so much positive feedback. I had so I still get mothers and dads that are, you know, reach out to me and have children that are fluid and, you know, are so happy that I talked about it and made it easier for them to talk to their kids and all those different things. So one of my best moments on the show to share something that really could help other people and really meant something. So that's number one. But the downside, the flip side was, although for the most part, Noel got a lot of praise for just living in her truth. She also got a lot of hate and yeah. you know, actually had her, you know, encouraged her just to get off social media for a minute. Because what was happening was, you know, you have the gay bashers, the people that, you know, were all in her comments saying you're going to hell. This is this. You know, why would you you must be such a disappointment to your mother? Wow. Like, it was it was very toxic. So she actually took a little break from that because although, you know, you always say don't read comments. It doesn't matter. Just look at all yeah. the you know, you always go and read the read the comments. I can There's always that one bitch. Hours of, you know, I can go on my Instagram right now and have hundreds of people saying, oh, you're so great, Cynthia. I love your inspiration. You're so positive. You're so beautiful. But I look all past that and I go to that one hater that's saying, oh, 
you're whack, you're weak, you're boring, you're stupid. Mike doesn't really want to be with you. That's what I focus on, which is hard. Ah. It's hard, but we all do that. We and so told her not to do it. She ended up just getting off from it and taking a break, and she's good now. But I know, just like you know, those those words are hurtful, and I know that she's that's something that she's still gonna have to deal with. Everyone's not going to be supportive of of who she is, and that's just life. Right. But I feel like, bitch, like when she was like, I'm this, you were like, so we're going to ride this. We're going to ride it out. We're going to ride this together. What did surprise me is I didn't see it coming. Like, I didn't know. And Noelle and I are super, super close. You know, my talk to her when she loved to go to college was don't come back. Yeah. Make sure you use protection. Make sure you don't be, you know, if you're drinking, make sure, you know, you are being responsible. And, you know, when she came back and was like, you don't have to worry about me getting pregnant. I was like, oh, great, you're celibate. Even better. <laughs> <She's> like, <"No>, <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm a man to get pregnant, and that's not the case. <laughs> but how hard is it? Because, look, I can't figure out if I want a son or if I want a daughter when I do adopt and I do go down that road. How hard is it to let your child go that far away from home into the wild, because I'm going to call the world the <laughs> wild with everything that's going on. First of all, she is a bad bitch. How hard was it for you to let her go on that campus knowing that you guys had been together this whole time? You guys had never been apart. You know, it was tough. It was tough. Uh, she really struggled in the beginning. Again, you know, we're very close. Um, it was she and I a long time here at Lake Bailey. But I know, you know, you just have to let you just have to let your kids go at some point. My mom, by the grace of God, allowed me to move to New York City when I was 18 years old. I don't, I still don't know how she, how I convinced her to do that. But it, you know, that one decision changed my whole world. Of where I wouldn't even be sitting in this chair talking to you right now had I not moved to New York and started a modeling career. I think my life would have been very, very different. But you know what? For me, I just knew I was like one of those kids that grew up in the country. Uh, I knew that there had to be more going on. I never felt mm -hmm. like, like I was almost like one of those kids that would kind of like in my fantasy head be like, these people must have got the wrong baby at the hospital because I'm alone with these people. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, I swear to you. Rich people somewhere. I'm supposed to be doing so many amazing things. I'm not supposed to be down here poor with all these cousins doing this stuff. Like I really thought they had, you know, literally brought the wrong child home. I was like, I don't belong here. I'm supposed to be in New York, so I'm supposed to be in Paris. I'm not supposed to be in Alabama. And shout out to Alabama now. Everybody had to come from somewhere. I love my humble beginnings, but I'm not going to lie now. I was ready to leave and spread my wings. Cynthia, I grew up in Louisiana, as you know. Yes. I can't remember if I was in second or third grade. We had to write a book report about where were we from and, and where we came from and our family. And I got in trouble because I was the same way. I truly <laughs> believed for some reason, some woman went into labor. <laughs> it happens. And I was like, oh, Lifetime movie, 100%, it could happen. And, you know, losing Isaiah, it could happen. Exactly. <laughs> but my mother used to make me watch Young and the Restless with her. And I had convinced myself that my mother was Drusilla and I was from Genoa City and Nate was my dad. Yes. <laughs> of course, of course. I, I can completely relate. Okay. I get it. So yes, yes, yes. All of that, all of that. 
Was it hard, like just getting there at 18? Or I feel like when I was younger, it didn't even matter because like you were so easy. You needed the bare minimum, bitch. If you had a cot and one hot meal, you were good. But now to think at my ass at 33, trying to move to New York would be so <laughs> tough. You know, I like my little life. 53 in New York. That's a whole nother situation. You know, when I moved to New York, it wasn't easy. I was, it was one of those things, like, honestly, Justin, I was afraid to go, but I was afraid not to go because I knew that I didn't know when I would have this, that kind of opportunity again. You know, I was approached by a model scout, you know, I was in a beauty pageant. I was homecoming queen in my high school. That's a whole nother thing. And that's where I was approached by this model scout from Wilhelmina Models, New York. And the opportunity presented itself. I didn't have uh, a lot of money. I wanted to have any money, basically. Barely could get a plane ticket to go. But everything inside of me said, even if I didn't, if it didn't work, I had to go and try. And it was the best thing I ever did. I remember getting on the plane. It was like American Airlines. And I had my, I had like maybe like $200 cash in my pocket. And I had like, I think I, my mom, even at that age, probably pin, I had like a safety pin with a note inside it. She gets lost, please return to the person, like my address in case. I mean, I was going to probably get like kidnapped as soon as I got off the plane when I went to LaGuardia. But I think I had like a, th- a tag in my clothes, like just in case I got there and I couldn't figure out anything. They could send yeah. to Alabama. So, but yeah, and I had my Bible. I had my Bible, $200 and just a dream. Like I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know how to be. I had confidence, but I didn't have that model confidence. You know, like, hey, I'm walking in, you know, like one of my first castings, I walk in, it's like Tyra Banks and all these people. I'm like, Nicole, actually my first roommate, which wow. married to Eddie Murphy. I'd never seen women like this. Some of the most beautiful women that I've ever seen in my life. And they just all had like, you know, they had come from LA and whatever. I was from Alabama. I didn't have any cool stories. All I did was like, hang out with my cousins and go to church and go to school. They were like, you know, cigarettes already. They had like motorcycle jackets on and motorcycle. I was like, what is this? And they were like, they just walked in the room like they were the And I was like, you know, very like a humble person, kind of shy. And I'd be like, hi everyone do you mind if I sit here? Meanwhile, they would just come and snatch a chair. It was like, oh my God. So <laughs> first year of modeling was more like, I was like, I don't know how to be like this because that's not my life. I, I'm not, I, you know, I meet girls and be like, oh, I just flew from Paris this morning. I'm like, Paris? I don't have oh a passport. Like, this is crazy. So I just started kind of like acting how they acted. Like I became an actress very early on because I didn't know how to pull. I didn't have any real experiences to pull from, so I just acted like the people I was around. I was like, okay, let me act fabulous too. Let me walk into the cast and be like, oh, hello, darling. Uh, is this seat taken? Okay, good. Well, I'm gonna sit in anyway. Okay. Meanwhile, you're smoking a cigarette on the opposite side. Not even smoking it right. I brought a pack and tried to just act cool so I could offer the cool girls a cigarette. Anybody need a cigarette? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sitting over there choking and stuff. Never even bought a cigarette, a pack of cigarettes in my life. But oh my God, I had to figure it out. And it was one of the best things that I've ever done. You know, regardless, like the whole time I like was modeling, I was like, oh, this, you know, I'm still like, what, this doesn't work out. You know, I love doing makeup and hair. I was like, I'll I'll go behind the scenes and do that. But it just kept working out. I kept thinking, you know, I'll go to New York for a year and a year turned into like five years and then 10 years and 20 years. The next thing you know, I'm in New York for like 30 years, practically working. Damn. And then you decided to put on those boxing gloves and come to Atlanta. 
I did. And I only the only reason I ended up in Atlanta was because of, you know, my now ex-husband. He lived in Atlanta. We met and um, I was in New York. He was in Atlanta. I was in a long distance. You know, we were in a long distance relationship. I was not planning on leaving New York. He was building a restaurant here. And it just kind of became one of those things where I'm the kind of person, I'm a Pisces, I'm a lover of love. So I was kind of following my heart. So mm-hmm. I'm, it just said, you know what? It doesn't make sense for you to move to New York City. I'm going to move to Atlanta. Talk, call Leon. I was like, Leon, is it okay if I take a child to Atlanta? I, I have a good feeling about it. You know, I'm going to you know, do my thing there. And he let me go. Brought my Trinidad and nanny, Miss Lydia, and we to Atlanta. And with no, didn't know anything about the Real Housewives, no expectation about being on a TV, just even being on television. Like I had done like commercials and stuff like that. Oh, you came here before you even got yeah. the show. Yes. And then six months of me being here after I moved here, I kept being uh, approached by people that were casting for the show, you know, saying, hey, would you ever, you know, word got out that I was here and, you know, it just kept coming up. Like, would you ever? And I was like, oh, no. I mean, I was like, not yeah. TV girl. I mean, that's why I came on the way I did, because that's just really me. And I'm still, yeah. if you just let me be, but <laughs> <still laughs> if you don't let me be, then 50 Cent got to come out. <laughs> <laughs> just let me be great. <laughs> let me live my life. Like, I'm nice. And it was so funny because I was so confused when I was being, you know, courted for the show or whatever. Phaedra was the housewife that was getting all the press about coming on the show. And, and I didn't know who Phaedra was. I had just moved to Atlanta. No shade mm. on it. I didn't know who any of them, any of the ladies were, to be honest. And I kept hearing about this Phaedra Park, some lawyer that was going to be on the show. And they were interviewing me as well. And at the end of the day, I remember them telling me, listen, uh, we really like you. Um, we really like Phaedra. We're looking for a housewife and we're looking for a friend. So whoever has the most interesting storyline will be the housewife. And That's the how they get you. That's right. how they get you to turn up. So just turned out. Thank God. Phaedra's Phaedra and Cynthia Cynthia. We were so different and our stories were so different. They took us both that season. And that's how we both came on the show season three. Let me just, because a lot of people don't know the insides of how Housewives kind of works. And a lot of times people think, oh, when you're a friend, you don't get paid. But when you're a friend, you get paid. You just don't get his aid like a housewife. Right. Well, it depends on how long you be a friend. (laughs) You be a friend for a long time. You know, you do eventually get paid well, but like coming into it, even as a housewife, uh, that first season check ain't the one. Okay, like literally, it's like insulting. Okay, <laughs> it like, ain't the one. Uh, uh-uh, it ain't the one. I'll just say that and be nice, honey. Like you're not coming. <laughs> your, your come up is not the check. The, the what you're focused on is the platform and being on TV and becoming a reality star. Because then that's when the other opportunities come, and the checks get way bigger after first season. If you can make it through first season, then. You know, it, it's 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 an amazing platform to be on. Well, you're free and clear on your first season. Your first season's kind of your fun. You can have a good time. The producers, the producers kind of take it easy on you. It's no, your mother second that's season. True. I went through everything my first season. I got married my first season. Oh, yeah. My wedding was my first season on the show. So I was like coming on like, okay, this is going to be really fun. You know, I'm really nice. And, you know, the girls are going to love me. I'm going to help them with their hair and makeup. You know, I have all this, like, fashion experience. I'm going to help them with their clothes. We got they were like, nope. 
child, they wore me out, honey. They snatched all my edges right off my head as soon as they saw me. They literally, you would never think they've never seen me in anything in the world. I was like, okay. You know, I was like very accomplished and known in the fashion industry, but I came here. They were like, oh, I ain't never seen nothing. I'm like, so you didn't see either cover of Essence because there was actually. <laughs> And I know y'all, and I know y'all get those. I know for a fact now, that it comes to your household. They don't get nothing else. They get every magazine at Essence. At least they did back then. Okay. And Jet. And Jet. <laughs> and Jet. Thank you. <laughs> okay. But y'all ain't seen none of that? Okay. All right. Bye. But yeah, you like starting all over because I was like, I had to prove myself to a whole nother, you know, work. Industry. Because I love New York. Like, but then if you see, the Towers and the Naomi's when they go on Andy's show and Andy, and whenever Andy asks them about it, they're like, yes, it was the face. We called it this, that, the other. Like, they give it up. They give me my props. So coming from the greats, you know, that's all the validation that I need. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. Are you one of those people who thinks every relationship, whether it ended good or bad, served a purpose? It's a part of the journey. Like, it's your It's a part of the journey. It happened. Had we had not Peter... We would have never gotten Cynthia. I would have never moved to Atlanta. I was I was a proud New Yorker. You couldn't tell me nothing about New York City. I've been in New York since I was 18. I was that girl. I could move around the way I wanted to. I was living the way I wanted to live. Very mm. far after. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Life was good. Life was good. So the Lord stepped in and said, oh, no, Miss Thay, it's time for you to go to Atlanta. You're going to meet this man. And somehow he's going to convince, he's going to convince you to move your child, your nanny to Atlanta, Georgia. And the rest is history. And by the way, I know you were like, I don't know about Atlanta. And then he was like, you can get a house for $2 a square foot. You were like, get my <laughs> ass to motherfucking Atlanta. Well, you know, what's crazy is, you know, I'm really good friends with Boris Kojo and Nicole. And mm -hmm. at the time, uh, Boris and Nicole were living in Atlanta. So when mm -hmm. I had even thought, you know, when I started thinking about Atlanta, I was like, yeah, yeah, you, we have a big mansion here. You need to come. You know, you're never going to be able to buy like real estate like that in New York. So they were like gassing me up to come. And then, a matter of fact, before I moved here, when I would come to visit Peter, a lot of times I would stay at their house when we were just dating. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, so I moved my ass to Atlanta. Two months later, they moved to L.A. I'm like, wait, just tell me to move here because, you know, they needed to be out there for, you know, the acting thing. So, yeah, they were, like, very instrumental in, in convincing me to actually move here as well. I'm going to eventually do the Cynthia Bailey book. All this stuff. I'm really giving you, you know, a lot of exclusives here. But this no, is you a do it. book because Mother has lived, honey. A very, very interesting life. Mother has lived. And housewives could ever cover. You know, this is an ensemble cast. So a lot of the focus is rarely on just one, one of us where you guys really get to see, you know, all the layers and everything, you know, of who we really are. There, there will be a book at some point. You know, the one thing about Mike doing this book and me watching his whole process and his whole journey with the book is I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I've been wanting to do it for a long time and I'm, I'm finally going to do it. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I, I plan on doing it soon. I'm going to push your ass to doing that. Um, I got to ask you a few hard questions. Okay. I live for this uh, very lengthy interview, honey. <laughs> you better. That's my love coming on. Just you, you get us on here just to get a sip, honey. But you get all the tea by the time it's over with. <laughs> I want the whole kettle, okay? I want the whole kettle, okay? <laughs> uh, well, first things first. There's allegedly this reality TV curse. 
where if you bring a relationship on reality TV, especially Real Housewives, it ends in doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Apollo of it all, the Peter, the lot, and everyone has this thing that it's this myth that it happens. Right. And I do agree. If you have cracks in your relationship before coming on TV, yes, the cracks do widen and the cracks right. do become bigger. How are going to tumble down if you have cracks already? If that foundation is not solid, house is coming down. House is coming down. And, and that's just the truth, for sure. But you're you're also at the point where you're, your peach is right. And you have been in the game for enough time where you can say, no, I don't think I want to go this far. Or let's keep him out of this thing. How are you protecting your relationship with Mike? Because it seems like it is the priority in your life. It is. Well, you know, there's a number of things that, that I have decided that I have to do to be able to protect my relationship with Mike. You know, Mike is my fiance. He only wants to support me. He can't be my fiance and not support me on the show. <laughs> he just can't do it. Like it just doesn't work. No. He's a reality star. So with that said, you know, anything that he wants to share, you know, I'm completely fine with him sharing. Like, you know, for me, what's worked for me the best is to just be transparent. Like if I came over here playing a character and trying to have like, you know, a show personality and then have a real life personality, it's too much work to keep all this. Shit. This is mm-hmm. it. Mike is himself, you know, take it or leave it. I am me, take it or leave it. In regards to, you know, bringing him around the cast and stuff, I'm a little protective of that just because I feel like, you know, his reality with me is one thing. Bringing him in the group, then I definitely want to make sure, you know, that it's not like going to be anything super, you know, crazy or negative because I don't yeah. want in those situations. I wouldn't put him in a situation like that if I wasn't on the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but Mike is a grown ass man and he definitely has a voice that he uses for a living and a lot to say. Okay. Show, so, you know, he's definitely not going to be on the show with me and just hold my purse the whole time for me. You know, we, 1, he's going to engage and, you know, he can actually moderate the conversation if they want him to because that's what he does for a living. <laughs> so, Oh, uh, oh, okay. Oh, thank you. I finally can do it. Not that nobody else is doing it. Okay. So but going back to the marriage curse, uh, I felt pretty confident going into my marriage with Mike and I know it doesn't always work out, but I do believe that I don't think a reality show can break up a strong marriage. I think anything can break up a marriage that is not solid. You know what I'm saying? So yes. I'm saying being on TV, having your life picked apart helps the marriage per se. But I think if you guys are together and you're solid and you, you know, you're on the same page, I don't think it can break you guys up. It could create some problems and make stuff uncomfortable as hell sometimes, but not like break you up where you guys can't be together in any situations. Like I'll just speak from my own marriage personally show or no show, you know, there were things in my marriage with my ex that, you know, were red flags that I ignored because I'm a lover of love. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. better, you know, things are going to be fine. Um, we wouldn't have stayed together show or no show anyway. It just was not. Um, it's expedited it. It wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right fit. And I have nothing but love and respect for him, but he wasn't the right fit for me. And, um, you know, I pray he's the right fit for someone else, but he was not the right fit for Cynthia Bailey. And that's just what it is. So reality, sure or not, 
that that relationship would have come to an end anyway. Second tough question. Okay. Do you think Phaedra really didn't know when her due date was? <laughs> Do you think she really did not know when her due date was? Uh, I'm going to have to say, as a woman who has been pregnant and had a child, a whole child over here myself, I would find it hard to believe that she wouldn't know. Because when you're pregnant, you have to have doctor's visits. And they always confirm how many months you are. So I'm going to go ahead and say it loud and proud. Yes, Phaedra knew what her due date was. Now, did she want to tell our nosy asses? Maybe not. But she knew. Even that mama got was like, ooh. At the end, she was like, mmm. <laughs> Look, you know what? That that conversation started so much conversation on the show. Like it, it's amazing what actually happens on the show and the things that, you know, the circle of friends over here, you know, say and how, what, you know, you guys run with. Like I never knew at that time that actually was an all cast at my house. And we were putting oh a little deck. And it was like, you know, I had a little one of the smaller houses of all the ladies. My little deck, we had squalls, you had a little TV tucked, a little uh, table tucked in there. I got all <laughs> in there somehow. And again, like I said, I have one of the smaller houses, child. But we got on there, Miss Thing sat right on that porch and sat and told us that. And that was definitely one of the more memorable housewife scenes. Well, that and you know, I know they say I'm the boring one, honey, but if you just go back, honey, <laughs> roll the tape and all the Cynthia Bailey C's from the Bailey Bowls, all my Bailey Q's. Oh, I mean, I can just go, I can do a whole, we can do a whole show just on, you know, Cynthia Bailey's greatest hits on the Housewives if you want to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cynthia Bailey C is a scene that's going to make the show and it's definitely one of the more memorable. I mean, even like my Fifty Shades of Cynthia party. Come on now. Yeah. Who can get these shady girls to come as them? Nobody. Let's be honest. But let's let's break this down for people at home because they don't realize it. Every reality show has a connector. There's one person that can A, film with everybody, but also throw an event that everybody will come to. And we call that person the connector. Not everyone on every season of every show is a connector. There's normally one or two, but yep. you have been the consistent connector. Yes. Connector, glue, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? All I know is my scenes are iconic, just as iconic as these cheekbones are. Honey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no, it's true. It's true. Like you can literally go, like I challenge you to actually go pull all my outcast scenes, like from over the years, because I've been over here for a minute, honey. I forget sometimes I'll watch Bravo and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot I did that event. I forgot this happened. That happened. I mean, the Bailey Bowl was iconic. Iconic. Crazy. Uh, Fifty Shades of Cynthia, off the chain. Like I never thought in a million years. I was just being shady to even tell them to come as me. I didn't realize that, you know, they all secretly live for me, honey. Couldn't wait to be Cynthia Bailey for a night. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're the only person with 50 wigs. Okay. <laughs> and I was okay. Google with 50 different looks, honey, because Mama has always been changing it up for a long time. And that's where like, for those housewives confessionals come from, honey. They see what mama's doing over here and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> and my last shady question, I have to ask you about this because there are rumors right now that Miss Leaks is not coming back to mm -hmm. Real Housewives. There are contract negotiations mm -hmm. and it seems like all signs are pointing 
to no return. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we're going to see her again? And what the is going on? (laughs) Well, uh, first and foremost, I don't really have any real answers for you, to be honest. All I know is what I read and see on the blogs, too. So I can just tell you I haven't filmed anything with her yet or seen her. So that's that. Um, in terms of, you know, contract negotiations, uh, it's not unusual for people to still be negotiating their contract. You know, we've been over here for about two months now, but I'm just saying it's not super unusual. However, you know, at the end of the day, and I mean, it's, you know, Nini and I are where we are now, but, you know, for a long time, she was a very, very good friend of mine who I love very much, who I still have love for. Yeah. I want her to do what is best for her. You know what I'm saying? Like she was one of the OGs on the show. You know, when you think of Real Housewives Atlanta, you do think of Nene. Um, 100%. She's great for the show. I hope they work it out. Yeah. But that's between her and the network, honey. It ain't got nothing to do with me and my wig or my peach bling. I'm telling you, mother y'all better get this. Seagram's <laughs> the Seagram's Peach Bellini is everything. It is every single thing. And where can we find this at? Most major grocery stores, liquor stores. Um, you know, it is a number one seller, so it's kind of hard to find because we do run out of the Peach Bellinis a lot. It's definitely one of the the more popular flavors, but the Seagram's Escapes has several other flavors as well that are bomb. You know, I am the brand ambassador for Seagram's Escapes. So although the Peach Bellini is my favorite because I actually helped make this one, the other ones are delicious as well. So if you can't find a peach one, that's making me happy. There's tons of other ones as well. And if we want to know everything about your man, where can we find that book? Oh, yes. Uh, open mic. Make sure you guys are following Mike Hill. It's his Instagram is Mike Hill. And of course, I hope you guys are following me, Cynthia Bailey. And it's no longer Cynthia Bailey 10, if you didn't notice that. It's just Cynthia Bailey. I got my name back. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it is Cynthia Bailey Blue Check now, okay? I love you and thank you for taking the sip. And you know what? As always, every time we have a conversation, I feel like whether we're at Chaconi's, whether we're on the phone, whether we sit at the London getting your hair and makeup done for our event, I always learn something new about you. And that's what I love about our friendship is that we can sit and talk and lollygag and kiki, but we always have each other's backs and we're always ready to be honest with each other. Absolutely. And I'm so proud of you. I know I've been telling you this. I just love, I've been watching your journey and your growth and you've been out there doing the most in in the most positive way and hilarious way. You always crack me up and I love coming on your show. Like, you know, I always, you know, you know, I always got you. You're, you know, you're just a genuine good person, Justin. Mm. That's not always easy to find these days. And, you know, as you get older, you know, like myself, I'm old and child, you know, you really appreciate the good people in your life. So you want to, never going to get rid of me. And oh, never. Always. And when you die in 50 years, I'm taking all those wigs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boo. I love you. Uh, this was like a two-hour interview. I thought I was going to be on here for like 20 minutes, but honey, we have sipped and sipped her. There's nothing else to sip, honey. You probably got me in trouble, but we'll see. That's what, <laughs> that's what you get when you give me this wap. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
You guys, thanks for listening, and do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at the Lady Sitter, and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity. Hold up. 